bum bum bottom 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 b
when well the reason paid I it. paid it early was because oh we were going on a honeymoon going that on makes our sense. honeymoon to Italy and I remember our honeymoon way better than I remember our actual wedding day and there are way more pictures of that because guess what don't skimp on the pictures it turns out I I hired someone like that I knew who from music school he took pictures of all the operas and stuff and they always look super great. But our wedding pictures... I think they're fine. Oh. And we have a ton of them, Lisa, over on the dresser drawer, behind the dresser yeah, drawer because stacks. they fell behind there. <laughs> uh, there's stacks and stacks uh, of wedding photos. Printed photos. photos. Ugh, yeah. they're awful. No, I think they're fine. I like them. I should have gotten my teeth whitened. No, you looked beautiful. White dress, yellow teeth. No, you not did not good. have yellow teeth. <laughs> You looked beautiful. Thank I like your you. wedding dress. I like your face. I, that's why I married you. Aww. And yeah. So why are we talking about our wedding? Because we're nostalgic. Because this is our final episode on Batman and Catwoman's relationship. And we're concluding this um, investigation. I'm going to call Ooh. it an investigation. Into their romance with their wedding issue. Uh, Batman number 50 from Tom King. This was highly anticipated. I remember when you would go into the uh, comic book shops, they had those save the dates. Yes, yes. Lots of advertisements, lots of gimmicky stuff surrounding this event because it is something that had never happened before. You know, obviously we've talked about it in the previous three episodes about how Selena and Bruce were known for their flirtations and their on again, off again, will they, won't they, Ross, Rachel business. And they totally did on Earth 2. Uh, yeah, on Earth 2, they, they made it happen. But would they make it happen on Earth 1? And that's that was the big question. As we march to Batman 50, would Tom King succeed in bringing these vows to completion? And like many uh, comic book really advertised uh, huge events, a total non-starter. It didn't didn't work out and uh, life just kind of went on. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers. I am so excited to have Tom King back on this show, returning to this writer who is quickly becoming one of my favorites. My too, my yeah, too. Yeah, and that really all started when we first read uh, his book, The Vision, for our graphic novel book club, a.k.a. the Ultimate Justice League of Extraordinary Graphic Novel Book Club. I think this was one of the few books that were was across the board appreciated by all folks. Yeah, every, you know, we have about 25 members of our book club club at any given Rotating, moment. Yeah. yeah, they rotate. And the only books that our club liked were Black Sad and The Vision. And Boxers and Saints. Yeah, and Boxers and Saints. So three books. We've been doing it for, what, seven plus years? I think we're in year eight now. Yeah. That's crazy. And three books. And we disagree pretty much all of the time. Yeah, yeah. They didn't like Darwin Cook's The New Frontier. We're always hurting each other's feelings. Ah! <laughs> that was such an infuriating meeting. Anyway, 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 since we read the vision for that book club, we became, you know, massive fans of Tom King. Then we had his amazing run on Mr. Miracle with Mitch Jarrods, which we covered on our first bonus episode uh, last year. Go listen to that if you haven't. Also, the trade paperback is now out. Yes. 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 Diamond Select is doing a special hardcover, but you can go to Barnes & Noble and get a really nice paperback exclusive cover. That's my preferred image that they're using. So it's beautiful. Go visit your local Barnes & Noble and grab that book because it's amazing. And then listen to our episode. Uh, so Tom King, he is a local boy. Uh, he lives in our neck of the woods, Lisa. No way. Yeah. Uh, he lives not that far from us and we're always seeing him popping up over at our local comic book stores like Third Eye Comics or Phantom Comics. Uh, he's always attending the Washington, D.C. Awesome Con, where we'll have a panel this year. Yeah. Not CBC related, but something else. And we'll talk about that at a later date. But uh, come say hi. Yeah, come say hi to us at Awesome Con. Um, now, for as much as we love him, we really don't know anything about the guy, or I certainly didn't, Lisa. Yeah, I know. didn't either. I, so what I did is I did a quick little like Wikipedia. Oh, that's what I like to call deep research. Yeah, deep research. I did some deep research on Tom King. Uh, he's a California kid like us. His mom worked in the movie business, and he remembers visiting the Warner Brothers studio a lot as a kid. Uh, in the late 90s, he interned at both Marvel Comics and DC Comics. 
economics while he was studying philosophy and history at Columbia University. Now, despite loving his gig as an assistant to comic book creators like Garth Ennis, after he graduated, he came to Washington, D.C. and and joined the Department of Justice. We have friends that work for the Department of Justice. We sure do. DOJ. Um, Now, after 9-11, he felt compelled to join up and became a CIA operative by simply applying through their website. What? Yes. He's Uh, a spy. He's yeah, he's a spy. Oh my um, goodness! And recently, that was that came under fire on Twitter. Like some people questioned his, you know, the the accuracy of him being but a spy. But if you were super sure that he was a spy, what kind of spy would he be? A terrible one. Uh, you make an excellent point. Now, eventually, he left the agency to be a stay-at-home father, uh, but at night, he started plugging away at a novel. He published that book, A Once Crowded Sky, in 2012. From there, he started pitching ideas to companies at comic book conventions, and soon enough, he found himself in the business. His first major comic book work was on Grayson, uh, part of the New 52 for DC Comics. He wrote that with Tim Seeley. He was the guy that relaunched the Omega Men, which was meant to be DC's answer to the MCU version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. While critically hailed, not a lot of eyes on that book. I myself haven't read it yet. It's on my to-do list. Now, of course, the big breakthrough for him was the Sheriff of Babylon, which is what he met Mitch Gerards on. Uh, He did that for Vertigo Comics. And yeah, that's another one I still need to read because people freaking flipped over that book. And when I posted our Mr. Miracle episode, people were saying, oh, it's great. You got to read Sheriff of Babylon. A lot of shaming for not reading that book. And I'm I'm working on it. We'll get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. I don't know how many romances and relationships are on it, but I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's the book that really changed everything. Uh, it was inspired by his time with the CIA in Iraq. Uh, the book is a gritty little overseas crime story. I'm sure I'm going to love it. Um, yeah. So from that came the vision, Mr. Miracle, and he was the chosen replacement of Scott Snyder on Batman when the rebirth relaunch happened. Uh, and, you know, Batman doesn't get much bigger than that. And his first mission to firmly tie the knot between Catwoman and Batman. Yay! Yeah, not so fast, like Lisa said. (laughs) (laughs) Just as this is our final episode talking about Batman and Catwoman, this is also our final episode using He's Just Not That Into You as our relationship guide. Lisa, how are we applying it to the wedding phenomenon? Well, in this particular volume... Seems pretty obvious, this one. I was a little confused (laughs) during our last episode with Batman Incorporated, but, I mean, it's definitely clear that Catwoman is just not into Batman. She is... I think she's super into Batman, and she knows that once she makes him happy with that sweet, sweet marital bliss, Batman will cease to exist. Plus, I think she's still really attached to uh, being a burglar. She really likes being a criminal, and that's always going to be a part of herself that she has to feel, that she would feel like if they were in a marital relationship, she would have to hide from Sure, and, and she's already doing that, right? The, uh, before this arc even begins, she's gone and stolen her wedding dress. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for old time's sake, maybe? Who knows? But Alfred knows. Bruce does not. Alfred knows? Yes, yeah. Secrets. Oh, goodness. That's really cool of Alfred to keep her secret, though. He's the best. I mean, he wants Bruce to be happy. Yeah. Do you know who's super into Bruce? Alfred. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So, all right. Maybe maybe it's a little more complicated than that. Maybe it's less about Catwoman not being into Batman, and maybe it's more about how she's too into Batman. I don't know. Okay. I, I, like... I'm sure through our discussion in our session, we'll come to a firm conclusion because that's what we're here for. Yay or nay. Is that what we do? I don't know. (laughs) I certainly come into our conversations with an opinion. And then by the end, I go, no, Lisa's right. Aw, bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Soak that up. Um, so this, we have spent a whole month with Greg Barrett and Liz Ticilio, and he's just not that into you. And despite being unnecessarily and archaically gendered, the message at the heart of this zeitgeist-dealing bestseller of the early aughts is pretty sensible, I think. If you're in a relationship or trying to start a relationship with someone and their behavior seems at all standoffish or noncommittal, or makes you feel insecure in any way, 
get out. Don't waste your time. If your goal is to find a long-term partner, you're better off dating around until you find one rather than trying to make one out of someone who is, in one way or another, letting you down relationship-wise. Yeah, not to say that um, this is the case in our relationship. Obviously not. We've already talked about our We're wedding. We're super into each other. We're super into each other. It worked. We're good. Uh, but a lot of time is wasted navigating. Uh, oh, uh, Will they, won't they? Ooh, he seems into me, but is he really... Uh, let me go talk with my girlfriends and figure out like, oh, you know, you know, he smiles and buys me coffee every day. But then like when he introduced me to his parents, he said, this is my friend. And we often kill time making excuses for the person who does not deserve those excuses. Absolutely. And if you're chatting about it with your friends, if you're going to your friends and going, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Then you're clearly not comfortable enough with the person to go like, hey, are you into me or not? I mean, we've we've all made mistakes dating. I mis- made mistakes while I was dating. And it's part of the journey. Absolutely. I, I dated someone who broke up with me three times. Mm. I let him break up with me twice before it stuck and get back together with me. And uh, there was this one time uh, when I was hanging out with my boyfriend and we were, we had been watching Veronica Mars and we'd finally finished the volume two DVD and it got stuck in the DVD player. Uh-huh. And so he started like freaking out and he, he yeah. ran to get a screwdriver uh-huh. and he started disassembling the DVD player. And, he, and I was going like, it's fine. I'll just I'll just get my DVD the next time I come over. And he's like, "No, we have to get this DVD out now." <laughs> That's a pretty big side. <laughs> that is a that is a red flag. No coming back for DVDs. <laughs> um, well, in my past relationships, I oh yeah, I didn't have any past relationships. Nailed it first try. You first are so try. Lucky. Yeah, I rock at love. <laughs> I think. I think I would have benefited from a more he's just not that into you outlook. I still think I would have ended up with you, Brad, because oh, because of uh, our interests and proximity. It was just inevitable that we would both end up working at the same Barnes and Noble. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think that um, I would have enjoyed dating a little more, and I think that. No, I'm glad you did. <laughs> you don't need to enjoy dating at all, Lisa. I think that Past dating, Lisa, that dating should be fun. It shouldn't be something that you stress over and. Like, it shouldn't have any more heartache than necessary. I, I think all of that is required. That's all life experience. That's all teaching you how to go from your the, the, the person that you're not meant to be with to the person you are meant to be with. But and the reason we're together is because right. you finally made me feel comfortable uh, reaching out in that way. I, I had not experienced that desire, really. I was practically asexual before <laughs> we got together. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's true. And you are a unicorn. You are a beautiful, special case. But I think that if I had someone teach me the just, he's just not that into you idea, and I probably would not have dated a guy for two years, even though he would casually mention in conversation that I'm not his type. Oh, God. <laughs> I, want, wh- I would have way better self-esteem uh, if I... F that guy. I Man, know. I want to... F- I, I know. I wish you wouldn't even tell me these stories. I know it's podcast <laughs> entertainment. Podcast gold. I got to lay it out it there. It gets me so bad. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, keep going. That, that being said, and not taken back, um, <laughs> I... Do I think that people should read this book specifically? No. I I mean, like, once you read three chapters, and it is a fun read. It is certainly not Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, where I'm, like, dragging myself through that book. I feel like I nod along to this book a lot more than I did either of those two previous books. Yeah, but you can get it. In just like the sentence, you, the title. If you just read through the chapter headings, you 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 just get that feeling of oh no. He's but at not the same into- time, you know, taking three hundred words of your time to devote to this thought process, mm-hmm. I think is beneficial. I just like I just find it really sad that there has to be a book that tells women or tells just human beings that they shouldn't put up with being treated like trash or being treated like a placeholder 
while they're waiting for somebody else to come along or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, I don't know. I think it's an inevitability. Yeah. I I just, I think there is something to the dating uh, attitude of not satisfied, move on, feel inadequate, get out. Like you shouldn't be trying to make it work with a guy you've been on three dates with or someone who all of your friends is going like, that guy's a jerk. Why don't you get out? Not that I ever had, like, I never had anybody, like, my friends were, I, if I if I was openly dating jerks, my friends were not mentioning it to me, which was very unsupportive of them. <laughs> well, getting back to Batman and Catwoman, though, mm-hmm. I, it, I don't think it's a clear-cut case of Batman is just not into Catwoman or Catwoman is not just into Batman. It's, it, there's a lot of gray area in this relationship. Now, at the end of this episode, I think we can go, I want them to be together, together forever, like I would Jean Grey and Scott Summers, or maybe my 12-year-old self wanted Jean Grey and Scott Summers to be together forever. Or really, a better example is Lois and Clark, Superman and Lois Lane, they belong together. I still believe that. I prefer them as a functioning couple. What Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason were doing in their rebirth line of Superman with their son, Jonathan Kent, that is perfect. That, That is my ideal image of Superman. Do I have that in regards to Batman and Catwoman or really Batman and anybody? Mm hmm. I, to me, like with the Batman Catwoman relationship in this volume, I do think that for Selena Kyle, being in a relationship with Batman does negatively affect her self esteem. She has to feel, she feels like she has to become another person. She's constantly doubting can I really be a hero? Am I now obligated to be a hero? And, um, and if it makes her feel like that, uh, it's not going to work. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and I think that that could come down to, he's just not that into you. If who you are is a cat, cat burglar. burglar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if you feel like you have to keep a secret of how you got your wedding dress or what your heart really wants, then then the relationship is just not going to work. Okay, so should we get right into this book right now? Let's do it. Let's be vulnerable right now with our listeners. We have not written out the plot synopsis as we have in previous episodes, so let's see how we do. Okay, so we are discussing Batman Volume 7 as written by Tom King, and the art is provided by uh, Mikkel Janin and Tony S. Daniel. I'm sorry if I butchered one of your names. I apologize. Both of your names. <laughs> uh, this contains Batman issues 45 through 50, plus a chunk of DC Nation number zero. Uh, what I love about this volume is it's really three short yes. stories. Yes, I was going to say that. Yes. So short story number one is The Gift, co-starring Booster Gold. He has mucked about with the timeline to show Bruce Wayne, hey, this is what life would be like if your parents were still alive. It's a nightmare. It's a wonderful life. Yeah, no, it most (laughs) certainly is not. Uh, And then part two is called The Best Man, and that's the Joker. I love this. uh, Luring Catwoman and Batman to another couple's beautiful wedding day, murdering all of those poor people, and uh, basically saying, look, you can't be happy and and still be Batman and Catwoman's ruining you. So I'm here to save you from this horrible wedding day. That's going to destroy your mythology. Right. And the best part is when, um, both Catwoman are, and the Joker are mortally wounded. And so they're kind of lying next to each other, reminiscing about old times. Yes. Oh, so good. So, so good. That, good. It's, that's probably my favorite moment in the entire Absolutely. volume. And then the final story is The Wedding Day. And that's when Batman and Catwoman decide, look. We're eloping. 
let's just find a judge. Let's get him boozed up on, on liquor and get him drunk so he doesn't know who we are by the end of this night. And let's get married on a rooftop. Uh, I'll bring Alfred. You bring Holly. You're going to have to bust her out of Arkham Asylum. <laughs> they just say bring a witness. Bring a witness. I don't think he knew that Holly was going to be the one. No, no. So Catwoman went and got her witness and then Batman went and got his witness. Who was Alfred? And when he was asking Alfred to be his witness, that was so flippin' sweet. And it's Batman issue 50 and the way it works is there's the narrative going on. Right. You know, the acquisition of witnesses. And then there are two love letters or... Mm, there are two letters being written, uh, one by Bruce, one by Selena to each other. And as those captions are, are, are being splayed across the, the page, uh, you have a different famous bat artist yeah, doing an interpretation kind of, of their relationship. Yeah, who's who. Yeah, so there's a Frank Miller page. There's a Paul Pope page. There's an Andy Kubert page. You know, everybody, everybody contributes to this massive event comic and yeah as lisa spoiled by the end of it catwoman decides that the joker's right and that booster gold's right you know by giving him this gift of this nightmare possible future this nightmare it's a wonderful life uh if batman were to ever be happy with me the world would be worse right I think that's just an excuse. That's my little theory. Well, let's, let's, okay, but th- that's the basic Can we plot. talk about the structure, though? Because when I read that last volume, I did not follow at all, like, the two-letter structure. The wedding, yeah. I had to, I read the, I started skipping the different art pages or just kind of grazing them with my eyes because I was just like, ugh, they're, they're very mushy. They're very, very, like, repetitive. I'm like, I get it. I get it. They like each other. And so I just kind of flipped through. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, these are love letters. And they're both going to exchange these letters. And then I finished that issue. And then I had to double back and then read the letters separately again. So I did the exact same thing. I think the structure is frustrating if you're trying to track the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trying to track the acquisition of the witnesses, plus what Batman is saying, plus what Catwoman is saying. And because it hops between those three, every page, it's hard to keep it all jumbled in your head. And it's only on the reread. And I did the exact same thing. I reread the comic and then I went and I reread each letter. Right as one piece and that helps tremendously but but if you're just trying to get through the issue so you could do a podcast and you're like what is going on yes lisa i agree however as an event comic i like how it all looks and on a reread on a third reread it does work for me the way it is structured. I just think on that initial read, when you're you're racing to get to the end, will they, won't they, it, it, it's a little confusing. Yeah. But purposefully so. And I'm okay with that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm going to say that I, like, I wasn't a huge fan of that okay. issue. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree, Lisa? Yeah. Still married. Still married. Okay. Compromise. That wasn't <laughs> a compromise. That was just like, you're wrong. I'm right. We just won't talk about it. So because of that structure, let's just go story by story. Let's start with the gift, Mm -hmm. the Booster Gold story, uh, Tony Daniel doing the art. Oh, my God. I love the art in this book. It opens with Green Lantern monologuing. He's got this maniacal grin because in this alternate reality, he's been jokerized. And he's talking about his ability to will wield his will through the green lantern ring and how the ring won't let him kill himself but because his will hal jordan is so strong he's going to break through that code of the ring and blow his own brains out with the ring he does it booster gold watches green lantern kill himself and go huh this world it's not so good i think batman's really gonna like my gift when he sees (laughs) how important it is that his parents died yeah so Booster and his uh, time-traveling robot companion, Skeets. Skeets. Skeets go like, okay, clearly this is an alternate universe. Our plan totally worked. So let's go find Batman and tell him what a great thing we did. Yeah. So, you know, everyone else is going to get him a cheese tray and <laughs> not us. Tom King loves a tray. Yeah. Yeah. Veggie tray from Mr. Miracle. Yeah. When, if I ever meet Tom King, I'm just going to bring him a tray. It is the most innocuous gift. It never causes an alternate universe. 
Everybody appreciates it. <laughs> uh, so he goes to find Batman. Batman finds him first. And the, what you discover is that the Batman of this timeline is actually Dick Grayson. I love the, the idea that a Batman is inevitable in Gotham, though. If it's not Bruce Wayne, it's somebody else. And it's probably somebody a little bit worse with lots and lots of guns. Right. Yeah. This Batman is, you know, a Todd McFarlane character. He is strapped. Yeah. Uh, so Batman or not Batman. Batman. Bruce Wayne is living the playboy life. Thomas and Martha are alive and um, they're celebrating their anniversary, actually. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All is good. Jason Todd runs some sort of enterprise that uh, sells tasers for car tires. If a criminal is about to boost your car, it zaps you to death. Yeah, there are all kinds of like little alternate universe side stories. Yeah, they're having a lot of fun. They're having a lot of fun, but ultimately, it's um, it's about like Bruce Wayne is really loving having his parents around, mm-hmm. and when Booster's like, "Hey, Bruce Wayne, I got you a present." I didn't, I interfered with having your parents being killed while you were a child, and now look at Gotham, it's crap, your dad, Thomas, is unhappy, what do you think? And he's and he had the sense, he had the sense like, oh, oh Bruce Wayne would be that's what that dream was yeah. about, that's what those pearls, the falling pearls yeah, were about. Yeah, yeah. And then and um, then Bruce is like, so, so this is what you use to tra- time travel and save my parents? And Booster's like, yeah, now we can go back in time and unsave your parents. And he's like, uh, no, smash, smash, smash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Bruce parents Wayne, forever. perfectly happy with the hellhole he's living in. And Booster's response to that is, okay, okay, he did not like what I had to say. The cops are coming for our house. Ooh, they're uh, coming to take me away. The, he didn't like what I had to say, but I'll go get Catwoman, his true love, and I'll bring her her to Bruce and he'll realize when he's looking into the eyes of his lover that no, no, we got to go back in time and kill my parents again. Yeah, he's orchestrating a meet cue. Yeah, this is a terrible idea, Booster Gold. You are a maniac. And And in this universe... Catwoman is not just a cat burglar, but a serial killer. Who only says meow. Yeah. But Lisa, this is your first time experiencing the heroics of Booster Gold and Skeets. What did you think of him as a character? I super enjoyed him. I like the idea of a well-intentioned, bumbling jock man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And... Like, I, f- I find him to be this real tragic character. Oh, my God. By the end of this story, I I'm I think Booster Gold may be the most pathetic superhero in the DC universe. Positively. And I like the way that he is drawn when they go back. So what? Um, yeah. yeah, take us through the rest of the story. Right. So Batman is like, well, we can't. Oh, Batman. Bruce Wayne is like, I don't care what's going on. We're keeping my parents alive. Thomas, like I've mentioned, is like looking around at Gotham and was like, this is not what this place is supposed yeah, to Thomas be like. Thomas is still on brand with his morality. He's really upset at what Gotham has become because, you know, we think of Gotham as a cesspool already when we look at, you know, Frank Miller's year one and and, and how Gotham needs Batman to survive mm-hmm. this this is what this is you know without that presence without the the dark Knight Avenger um, Batman uh, Gotham City has truly turned into a hell on earth right and it's spread to the rest of the planet mm. Earth is no longer safe because the world's greatest detective, is not on the case. Yeah, he wasn't there to help the Justice League. You know, he, he didn't use his brain for the Justice League, so the Justice League has died and, and gone the way of the Dodo as well. Right. So, so crucial element, that Batman. Yeah. So in his devastation, Thomas Wayne goes into cardiac arrest, and so Bruce takes him to the hospital, and he comes... And he makes it. He comes out of the hospital. Everything's fine. But then Booster's meet cute happens. And um, he's like, see, Bruce Wayne, it's your true love. (laughs) And um, Catwoman immediately kills Alfred. (laughs) And Thomas tries to 
intercede and go like, you know, like, it's my fault. I closed the orphanage. I'm responsible for you being in jail to spare Bruce. And then, of course, um, Catwoman kills Thomas. And then the Grayson Batman shows up. With all his machine guns. To shoot Catwoman. And then um, uh, throws a bomb to kill... Uh, Bruce. Bruce. I have all, like, I've written my notes using initials. Why did I do that? <laughs> and then um, Bruce, well, needless to say, a lot of things happen. There is artillery. People are catching bullets right and left. Everyone dies <laughs> except for Bruce and except, Booster. Yeah, and Booster does take a bullet. He takes a bullet, and then the next issue, we turn the page, and Booster Gold has been... You know, it, uh, imprisoned in a bat cave, although mm-hmm. it's not a bat cave. It's just a cave. Just at a this cave point. <laughs> uh, for the last year, and he's got this Tom Hanks castaway beard. His body's a skeleton, practically. But he's still got all of his hero muscles. He's just very lean. Yeah, he's really gross looking. <laughs> I, 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 that's my favorite page in the probably the entire volume. And it's pretty great because you know what. Um, his spirits are still. He, up. Well, his spirits are up. He can't possibly think that. This is not fixable. Right. And um, not fixable. What's the word for not fixable? Unfixable? Implacable? I don't know. We're just podcasting here, people. Whatever. Um, but while in in the meantime, while Booster is getting all skinny and growing the Christ beard, um, <laughs> Bruce Wayne has had skeets repaired so he can save his parents, but it turns out yeah, so that it's voice activated. Yeah, so it's voice they need, acted. he needs yeah. to go get Booster from the cave. And Booster agrees when he sees Skeets and they do go back to the night that young Bruce Wayne, Thomas and Martha went and saw yeah. Zorro. No, no, no. He tricked. So Bruce, Bruce Wayne is like, oh, take right. me you're back right. to when my parents were killed by Catwoman. a year ago. Yeah. And um, Booster Gold is like, well, you can't be too specific with Skeets. Skeets doesn't work that way. So I'm just going to tell Skeets, take me back to when Bruce's parents were killed. But then Booster Gold gives Skeets a big wink. And us. He breaks the fourth wall, Deadpool style. Big time wink. Of course, Bruce sees the wink and he's like, what's that wink about? He's a pretty good detective. But they go back in time. They, um, and... Bruce sees, you did not take me to where you thought, where I wanted to go. They start having fisticuffs. On a rooftop. And in the meantime, while they're in fisticuffs, Bruce's parents are murdered. And then Bruce Wayne turns the gun on himself and... Old Bruce Wayne. Old Bruce Wayne. Here's what's great about this is there's an implication that... Young Thomas hears the the scuffle that's happening on the roof. And because he hears the scuffle between old Bruce Wayne and Booster Gold, he goes, let's cut through this alley and, you know, avoid the criminal activity. And in cutting through that alley, he encounters Joe Chill, who kills both Thomas and Martha, creating Batman. I didn't even like I literally just got chills. I did not notice that at all. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's that, pretty yeah. cool. You know, timey wimey travel stuff. I, I, love, I love it. it. I love it. So everything gets fixed, and this issue ends with Booster Gold back in the proper timeline explaining the terrible gift he tried to give. Our Catwoman and our Batman. Yeah, and he goes like, "You'll understand your heroes, your family. Yeah, you'll and get he, it." He's having this Lady Macbeth moment where yes. the blood from Bruce Wayne's brains, the bad Bruce Wayne, hit his goggles, and he's trying to rub out the bad Bruce Wayne's blood from his goggles, and it just won't rub out. It's so tragic. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we end it. That's where we leave <laughs> Booster Gold, the poor bastard. But to me, this indicates a lot about Bruce Wayne's character and Bruce Wayne's fitness for being a partner. Mm. What do you mean? Um, Because the fact that he was so selfish and maniacal when it came to keeping his parents alive. Yeah, like, without his training to become Batman and him falling and becoming the true playboy he was always meant to be. Right. He's just very determined. Yeah. And so if his determination is, you know, I'm going to clean up Gotham City, that is his priority. And he, he needs throws a mission. himself into that. But 
if his mission is like, I'm going to throw myself into keeping my parents alive, then Gotham be damned. Yeah. The, the gift, what Tom King does with this story shows what a truly selfish creation Batman is. Right. And that he's not the noble crusader of justice that somebody like Green Lantern or Superman is. I wonder what the indication is for Catwoman because Catwoman, without the existence of Batman, becomes a com- well. Becomes it's a not so much killer. that there's without the existence of Batman, she's thrown into a prison. Her life that she exists in this universe destroys her brain, turns her into a crazy person. But do you think it's because she never had that moment from Batman Year no, One of I don't- seeing Batman? With the scar, and uh, no, because because Batman's existence uh, betters her surroundings, her environment, the environment that she is in in this universe, the the, the the system of prisons, the system of asylums, the system of death has has deteriorated her being. But we know that from Batman Year One that. The Batman created Catwoman. Catwoman was an answer to the Batman. So this Catwoman is an answer to a different kind of Batman. The Batman who is the Dick Grayson Batman who is strapped to the teeth. Yeah, I agree agree to a sense, but I also feel, I don't know, I'm repeating myself. I I, I do feel like the environment is, is crushing everyone else. I think stories like this, and you see it in... You know every comic book franchise yeah, it brought around. Up, um, the the orchid from and the Superman. man who uh, had everything. What do you give the man who had everything? The Alan Moore sh- comic. Uh, that's what inspires Booster Gold to do what he does. And so, like, my problem with stories like that is. It puts so much importance on Batman because this is Batman's book. And if you remove Batman from the DC universe as a whole, the world just crumbles. But if this was a Superman book and we removed Superman from the world, the universe crumbles. It gives just too much importance to these heroes. Yeah, singular heroes. Singular heroes, yeah. And and I can appreciate that as a fan, but also fundamentally I go, would it really be like this? And it does a disservice to the character of Catwoman saying that she would not grow up to be a powerful being without the influence of this male character. But we know from her origins, she was already headed down a pretty dark path, you know, being a prostitute, being a thief. Yeah. So it's, you're saying yeah, that, being that that's under- built into her um, her origin is that idea that she's not- She's under the control of a thug and, and a pimp. And her future is looking pretty bleak already. Right. And, and if you are to believe year one, seeing the Batman is something that gave her a sense of purpose and a- and this i this identity of well i want to be a symbol too i want to be the symbol of the cat who goes and robs from the rich okay i see what you're saying all right i don't think that there would be another batman like what's the odds of another person going like i can see someone else going like we need some vigilante justice but somebody else going like also i need to wear a cowl yeah we don't know <laughs> why or how dick grayson takes up the bat mantle. That does seem strange. There's got to be some kind of fate. Fate's the, fate's the answer. Yeah. Okay, so that's the gift. That's the gift. So great. It's it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, now, the best man, Lisa. Love this one. The Joker. He's waiting around for his invitation to the wedding. He's heard on the criminal grapevine that Batman's getting married to Catwoman and he's going to put a stop to it. So he goes to this random dude's house. It's a perfect crazy moment a perfect Joker moment where he busts in and says, hey, you're going to get an invitation to Batman and Catwoman's wedding, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be here to pick it. And the guy, uh, what's his name, like Ronald or something? His name is Roger Martello. So Roger Martello's like, what are you talking about? I'm just a guy. Why would Batman send me an invitation? And he goes, well, the invitation's got to go somewhere, so here I am. And that little exchange, perfect summarization of the Joker as a character. And for a second... Like we're all caught up in the Joker's story and a sealed and his envelope. madness and a sealed envelope does show up, and uh, but it turns out that it is a letter from Roger's daughter's school 
yeah. saying that she's been tardy. Yeah, and she, true Joker, it. of course, <laughs> shoots Roger in the head. Yep. And then, Bad. so what does the Joker do? Uh, it, he's not going to go looking for Batman and Catwoman. He's going to have them come to him. And the quickest way to do that is to go find a wedding that's occurring right now. Slaughter everybody. Uh, I feel that... They the the wedding party and the bride are dispatched in such a quick and brutal fashion. You're just like, oh, what's the point of even having Batman? According to his story, the Joker like had already gone to one church and killed everybody just to blow off some steam. And then while he was killing all the people in that church, he's like, do you know it would be a great great trap for Batman if I went to another church and <sighs> killed everybody? And he has this issue of like. Oh my goodness, I keep dispatching my hostages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this is a conversation that has happened in many comics in the past, but Batman, you know, I I'm also anti-death penalty, right? But Gotham City cannot keep the Joker in prison. You got to kill this guy. <laughs> and it's going along with this ongoing theme of Batman uh, of because Batman exists all of these nemeses start popping yeah. up. And so Batman, the image, Batman, the icon, may be causing more harm than good. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Tom King is not here to solve that problem with the very concept of Batman comics. But when he killed that bride, I just I just couldn't take it. I was just, <laughs> no, we got to get rid of the Joker, guys. But I love that idea of, well, who's the hostage now? Now Batman's the hostage. Yeah. Now I'm the hostage. Yeah. Now the Joker's the hostage. Yeah, gun on himself. Right. So while the Joker has the gun on himself, he convinces Batman to kneel with him to pray before the cross. Mm, so good. And Joker tells the story of that he heard from his Catholic mother about St. Augustine. And, <laughs> and so St. Augustine was originally Manichaean, which is a Persian religion based on the prophet Manny who who preached dualistic cosmology. So this idea that human beings are being pulled in two directions. They're being in, pulled in the direction of good and they're being pulled in the direction of evil. But when St. Augustine converted to Catholicism, he came to the conclusion of, well, there's, there's only God and God is the only powerful thing. So humanity is only experiencing one pull and that is the pull to God. And so the pull away from God is not the pull to evil. It's it's chaos. So everybody's being pulled to God and everything else is chaos. And so the Joker doesn't see himself as evil. The Joker sees himself as chaos. Yeah, as does Christopher Nolan. As this necessary element. Yeah, that's right. Um and I, I think this is very sweet. While Joker is still his own hostage, um, he asks he asks Batman, "Am I am I your best man?" Which I think is so sweet because he does play a really critical role in his relationship to Catwoman. Sure, he sure. is their common link. Yeah. And how does that whole chaos speech though end with a with bomb. a bomb in the cross? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, and that is when the Catwoman uh, she's been observing from the rooftops to see Batman clear up the Joker. Clearly, that didn't work. So it's time for her to swoop in. And the she's rescue. all peeved because Batman was like, "No, it's." Too too dangerous. Stay away. <laughs> and now Batman's in trouble. And now she has to clean up his mess with the Joker. So she she um, jumps in, crashing through a stained glass window. And um, in an instant, she slashes the Joker's throat as he shoots her in the stomach. So they both have these fatal wounds. And if the Joker takes his hands off his throat. He bleeds out. If she takes her hands off her stomach, she bleeds out. So th what they end up with is just a lot of time to talk. And um, a lot comes of that. They talk about old times. They talk about how Selena stole her wedding dress and she can't tell Batman because he'd be mad. But I think the most critical part of their conversation is when they start to discuss who knows Batman better, the lover or the nemesis? Mm. And the Joker 
tells her like, well, like, you know how to make Batman happy. I know how to make Batman happy. I could kill the Riddler and the Penguin and myself. I could kill all of these bad guys and then Batman would be happy. Nobody wants Batman to be happy because once Batman is happy, there is no Batman. Yeah, which now starts to feed into the story that Booster Gold told her and Bruce about what is the world like when Batman is happy. Yeah. And the doubt seeps in. Yeah. So after Batman awakes from, he was poisoned and was paralyzed, Selina, she laughs because she finally... Gets the joke. Gets the joke (laughs) that the Joker... Is a joke, and um, but now she's got this doubt. Yeah, that's a great place to be going into your wedding night. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so we've talked about what happens in 50. Uh, they both decide to go get witnesses and a stew with this doubt, or at least Catwoman stews with this doubt. And we get those two letters, one letter from Bat to Cat and one letter from Cat to Bat, and Bruce's letter is a very loving, um, wistful, romantic letter about her eyes and how he always treated her like a mystery, but he realizes that she's not the mystery, that he's the mystery, and she helps solve him, and blah, blah, blah. Right, you Lovey complete dovey. me. <laughs> you complete me. Yeah, Jerry Maguire, right? And then Catwoman's letter is... Uh, uh, practically a dear John. It, it's I it got, is a dear John. I gotta go. I gotta go because I am bad for you. Right, and I f- I find it very interesting that they both start with a meet cute, like when they really did see the other person, and they both have different ideas of when that was. Yeah, because Batman never knew that Catwoman and Holly put together that. Back in year one, the man with the scar who was fighting underneath the window of their brothel, right, was Bruce Wayne. And then Bruce Wayne would be Batman. They had deduced that. So basically everybody in year one, by the end of that Frank Miller book, knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. He was apparently the most obvious dude ever. (laughs) Only one person is a vigilante (laughs) fighting crime. Only one guy is available to do it. But- So she's been keeping this secret in her heart of, I've always known who you are and you've never really known who I am because I'm continuing to hide things from you. Yes. I sort of see Batman's letter as a love letter and Catwoman's letter as a confession. I think as she's composing the letter, she's still deciding on whether she actually wants to go through the wedding or not. Because when she's writing, they have like these parallel stories. So they're both in separate cars with their separate witnesses riding to the rooftop where they're supposed to be married. And they both mention like, I've been working on this letter, but it's not finished. And I don't know how to finish it. And um, when Catwoman is in the car with Holly, she asks Holly, am I a hero? And Holly answers like, of course, Selena, right? I mean, after all that's happened, don't you have to, don't you have to be a hero? And so I think that's the moment when she goes like, I can't be a hero. Yeah, you see it on her face. She is feeling super insecure. And then when Batman mentions to Alfred his letter, he asks Alfred, can I be happy? And Alfred says, Master Bruce, after all you've done, all you've endured, suffered to go on another day, don't you have to be? And he decides... Yes, I do have to be. And so he goes to the roof to to finally become happy. And she leaves him on that roof. She goes to a separate roof because they got to be on a roof at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Just being up high gives you a whole new perspective. But she goes to a separate roof and she decides that neither of them get to be happy. 
sad, sad sad ending. When I first read this, I was really frustrated because I, at the time, really wanted them to tie the knot because that had never been done before. And we did not know what a Batman comic would be like if it was actually a Batman and Catwoman comic. And that I found really compelling. And the idea of him being left at the altar, less so. Like he, like he needs more pain. Now, I have continued to read this comic beyond issue 50, and Tom King is doing some interesting things with the crushing blow of being left at the altar. And actually, Catwoman spun off into another solo title uh, written and drawn by uh, uh, Joelle Jones, uh, which is a great comic book. Is I'm, she still in Gotham? Uh... Because it's so awkward running into your ex at work. Honestly, I do not remember. Oh, Forgive goodness. me, listeners. Um, I I, I want to say that she's not like she's at Bloodhaven or something, but I, I I honestly don't. You know, like when you break up with someone, it's just like I guess they get that particular Starbucks, and I'll go to a different Starbucks, and they can have this group of friends. And uh, but you can't do that when you're Batman and Catwoman. Yeah. They know all of the yeah. same yeah. people. She might be in a different place. All I remember about the comic book's first issue is that they're still in cities, and she's struggling with returning to the life she once led pre Bruce Wayne. Right. So she's going full on criminal. She's yeah, just like kind of, kind of, kind of. I, I respect. But what I don't like about it is it feels a little retconny. That being said, Tom King is building to another epic issue. I believe in issue 75, we're going to have another Bruce Wayne, Selena Kyle moment. Oh, okay. We we might have to revisit that on a future episode. Oh, my goodness. So, Lisa, I I think we have to answer the question that we posed at the beginning of this episode. As a reader, do you want... Batman and Catwoman to be together as a couple. Is that interesting to you? Frankly, no. To me, I think that Catwoman's identity is so tied up in Batman and the Batman idea that there is no way that they could be together that wouldn't be detrimental to her self-esteem. I think that it's good if she moves out of Gotham, starts you know, getting down to the essential feline who she is and lives her own life. To me, I feel like Batman needs like someone who is not going to feel affected or challenged by being in a relationship with the Batman. Someone who is not in crime. Maybe it's like some kind of high-powered lawyer. Well, like Vicki Vale, sort of like the Tim Burton uh, Batman romance. See why not? But I think that there could be maybe a new character, just a cool lady. Maybe Alfred has some kind of niece, like a super cool like, British like Batgirl in Batman and Robin, oh, the Joel Schumacher version. Oh no, no, we don't want that. <laughs> Another uh, niece. No. <laughs> uh, I I agree with you. I don't like Batman and Catwoman to end up together. That being said, I've really enjoyed what Tom King has done with their relationship, taking it to uh, this deep conversation of what it means for each character, their core. Right. Uh, um, and, and so I'm loving everything that Tom King is doing, but ultimately the ideal version of Batman is not with Catwoman. And, and my, Lisa, my ideal version of Batman is not with anybody. But I feel like that's kind of obvious. It's obvious because that's the core character. He cannot have romance in his life. It's enjoyable to see him bump up against the idea of happiness. But I'm with Catwoman's way of thinking. He cannot be happy and still be Batman. I don't know. He's he's got Alfred, and he gets a lot of satisfaction yes, out of his relationship yes, with Alfred. That's what I'm. Yes, I agree. Batman, Tim Drake, Dick Grayson. Jason Todd to a degree, uh, Barbara Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, Jim, Alfred, that's that's his family. That's the Bat family. And there's the, romance and that doesn't really work and will never work. And you'll always have stories ending this way. I, I, I think that, I don't know. I just believe there's someone for everybody. Yeah. I'm the eternal <laughs> optimist, even, even with Batman. I think that, High-powered woman who does not have her self-esteem attached to the identity of the Batman. She's got her thing. He's got his thing. He can't have his thing and be happy. I'm with the Joker. But all, uh, 
there are all kinds of other heroes uh, who hero it up and yeah, have because they're not Batman. Superman can do it. Green Lantern can do it. The Flash can do it. Batman Earth 2 did it. Yeah. With yeah, Catwoman. Yeah, he still died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, of old age. <laughs> uh, I don't think so, actually. There's there's some other type of shenanigans happened to what, why Batman died in Earth, the Earth 2 version. But he lived pretty long. Mm, he was old age Lisa, 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 we're going to have to end this episode with... Uh, I agree to disagree. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Bringing it back to he's just not that into you uh, and our own relationships. What have we learned from uh, volume seven, The Wedding? I think we learned that relationships are impossible if you feel like less of a person with the person you're with. Mm. I think that that doesn't apply to us. Like, to me, what helped what made me fall in love with you was the fact that I always felt valued with you. Like I always felt like you enjoyed my company. I always enjoyed your company. I made room in my life for you. You made room in, in your life for me. And it's always been like, people say, you know, relationships, they have their ups and downs. You really have to work at a relationship, but like being in a relationship with you has never been hard work. Yeah. I mean, outside of the occasional secret bag of chocolate that I have in the walk-in closet. Uh, I, I I don't hold any information about my life from you. And there's nothing I feel like I have to change about myself to be with you. Sure, sure. Now, of course, we're talking to each other right now, and we're, we're talking to do a podcast, and so ooh, I got to trust that you're actually being honest with me all the time, all the time. I am. I, I mean, I am. Okay. I don't have any secret chocolates. <laughs> uh, sometimes I do, though. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I, I I think what I, I came away from this book in, in thinking about our relationship is that idea of being open and honest and not having any hangups about yourself that you're not willing to reveal to your partner. Right. What, like, I have also had the thought of, okay, if... If one of my friends comes up to me and they're crushing on a guy at work or they're dating someone and they're not quite sure how it's going, I think I'm going to lead lean less towards the optimistic like, mm, you know what he did? He did pick you up that one time yeah, well, or whatever. Yeah, we're in our and 30s now, right? I lean into, yeah. Like he's not that into you, move on. And so and you know, I still have some single lady friends. Yeah, but I think like when you're in your teens and in your 20s, you, there's more time to play around and figure out who your your partner is. You can you can you can kill time. Yeah. But in your 30s, you can't kill time. You got to get it done. So, uh, yeah, there's you're swiping left and right out there. Lock it know. down or become a spinster. <laughs> Like Batman. Yeah. Give like, up. Yeah. I'm telling you. At least we, we got to move on. We got to move on. Batman belongs alone. He is alone. He's you not alone. He's that, alone. That you belonged alone. Yeah. I, just That's what my idea of Batman is, Lisa. That was what your idea of Brad was. Uh, it, yeah. You make an excellent point. Brad was alone at one point. Uh, never alone. Okay. Okay. Um Lisa, 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 that's it for Batman and uh, Catwoman. I'm actually pretty sad to say goodbye to them. I've loved this month of comics. Super fun. And what's interesting is because there aren't actually a lot of Batman, Catwoman, you know, arcs, big, long arcs, what Tom King's doing right now, that's the most extensive look at these two characters. We avoided doing the long Halloween. We could have done that at one point. We could have done Hush. There's a few other tales we could have uh, explored. We tried to be a little more mm, kooky. We well, of course, off we the went, beaten path. Off the beaten path, we did revisit Grant Morrison. You know, guy I love. I, I did not turn you into a Grant Morrison fan yet again. I uh, do like his All Star Superman. Yeah, like yeah. for me, that's quintessential. Grant Morrison. And, and, and I would agree. But what I'm trying to say is, in wrapping this up, there are so many great Batman comic books that, that we didn't even talk about. Right. And I would love to return to this character someday 
through another relationship, Talia Al Ghul, maybe? I don't know. She was in this book for like a hot second. Hot second, hot second. Uh, yeah, in The Gift, we, yeah. we, we see what's going on with Roz and Talia. Uh, nothing good. Uh, so, yeah, that's just my long-winded way of saying I've really enjoyed talking Batman. And, to- and talking Tom King and, and talking... Grant Morrison. Talking and, Frank Miller. Yep, and Bob Haney. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, and I've become a big Batman Brave and the Bold fanatic. Since our first episode uh, on this couple, I've gone to eBay and purchased a bunch of 80s-era Batman Brave and the Bolds, and I've been eating them up. And if you follow Brad on Twitter... You you noticed. have been you've getting a little you're getting a little taste. Yes, yes, yes. So time to say goodbye to Batman and Catwoman and DC Comics uh, for a little while. Uh, we are going to move on next month, Lisa. To where? I, I know you're pretty excited I'm about it. I'm super excited. I actually know, guys. I know what we're doing next, but Brad can tell us. Well, we wanted to try something a little different. We've been talking a lot about heteronormative relationships, Scott Summers, Jean Grey, uh, you know, Batman Bruce Wayne, and Catwoman, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Yeah, and and there are many different types of relationships out there in the world. And we wanted to explore LGBTQT relationships next month. As much as we can. Now, there's not a lot of stories out there. And we've reached out to our listeners via Twitter to throw out more couples to us. Um, But instead of doing one run with one couple, we're going to do a couple of choice couples. And there's another reason we're doing that, because mainstream comics tend not to explore LGBTQT relationships. They're always like the the third couple to the left. Yeah, and that's starting to change now, but because it's only starting to change now, we can't go back into comic book history and pull past stories. So we're going to hop around through four different relationships. I'm super stoked. And the first one is going to be Hector and Ari from the graphic novel Bloom, published by First Seconds and written by our buddy Kevin Panetta and illustrated by Savannah Ganeshow. Spoilers, Um, I love this book. Yeah. I legit love this book. Um, It's about boys kissing. It's about baking. It's all of the things that I love. Lisa fell head over heels for this graphic novel. And from the moment we started this podcast, we were finding a way to bring it into conversation. Absolutely. So we're really, really excited. I'm so stoked. This is one of the few books that I read before Brad. Yes, that is true. (laughs) Uh, A brand new book. You can go find it again at Barnes & Noble. Since that's where Lisa and I met, we're going to keep promoting them. That's a great place to fall in love. That's a great place to fall in love. It's a great place to find this book on their teen YA table right now with the new releases. So go do that. Right. So it's time to finally wrap things up, put a button on this pod. Bye, Batman. Bye, Catwoman. We love you. So, Brad, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. And I want to point everyone to Film School Rejects right now. Hopefully, it's published. I don't know if it is yet. I had an opportunity to speak with comic book writer Brian Michael Bendis. Partially responsible for us falling so deeply in love. Yeah, go back to our first episode where we talk about the importance of Ultimate Spider-Man on our relationship. And I got to talk to Brian Michael Bendis for a hot minute about how that book brought Lisa and I together. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You got to talk to him for a total of 18 hot minutes. Yeah, I got to talk to him for 18 minutes, and it was mostly in promotion of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oscar-winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I spoke to him just days after that win. Uh, truly, like, a highlight in my geek life. So excited to talk to him. Please, please, please head on over to Film School Rejects and read that interview and share it with the world. But Lisa. Yes. What about what about you? Where can we send our words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren and <laughs> I said that funny. At Sidewalk Siren. Yes. And Instagram. That, oh no. No, that's not right. At Instagram. No. I'm a great podcaster. <laughs> Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter, and you can commit to this podcast by following us on Instagram and Twitter 
at CBCC podcast. When you say your handles enough, they cease to have meaning. <laughs> you can also email us CBCC podcast at gmail.com. We want your cues. We want to give you our A's. Yeah. And also uh, like rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. People. We are always accepting the gift of five stars. Yes. So until next time, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. I think that was a great outro.